And every minute of every day, we make a choice and a choice leads to the next thing that happens in our life. And if we understand that, it means that we also know we are able to make the next choice. And the next choice may be the one that actually gets you, you know, course corrects your path or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And it's about building back to another person. We have to build those bridges. And in order to do that, the only person that can do that is ourselves. And we need to take that step forward and hope then by doing so, by opening ourselves up, the other person will start to meet, come towards us. We can't change them, but we can change ourselves. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the How for Her Human Expansion Realized podcast. These podcasts are the creative artistry inspired by our weekly Gather for Her conversations that take place in real time. They are the culmination of co-created and harvested wisdom that is palpable during these gatherings around our virtual fire. Our hope is that in a practice of deep listening with us here, you will feel our hands at your back in the journey of realizing your own personal expansion, leaving each listening experience with a spark that ignites your how. This week, our hosts are talking with Angela Odo. As the founder of The Change Builders, Angela is a forward-focused, trauma-informed, progressive family and relationship mediator who works passionately in today's shifting landscape of relationship and family norms. She understands inclusivity, diversity, and complexity, and invites us to consider that what challenges us the most is also the most hopeful and potentially transformative. It's authenticity, it's compassion, it's being real, um, and more importantly, it's about being present for the other person where they are at instead of coming from a place of what's driving me. And that takes a lot of work. We, we are ego driven as a, as a humanity, as a species. So, but that's part of what I consider to be leadership. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's part of what comes up for me for sure. Aha. Yay. Christina took her mic off. Yay. Go, go, go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, so, you know, in the introduction, I, I was talking about, you know, thinking about our growing edge. And so, and, and, and I'm going to actually ask you to just drop below the waterline a little bit and hear what your, what's your growing edge in, in terms of whole leadership? Like, what is that, that you both, um, that, that you can see, Oh yeah, this needs this needs to be a little bit different, and I don't quite know how to how to do this. Like just that, just that edginess. Oh, I'm gosh. curious. About. <laughs> Thank you for that question. Um, every minute of every day in the work that I do, I live at that growing edge, and it's and I just check in with myself constantly because that's where I need to be to do the work that I do, because leadership also means being in the space you want your clients to be in. And so if I'm not there, then how do I bring them there? Uh, so it is. it takes a lot, of course, to, to do this because I'm working with people's lives and, and aspects of their lives that are pretty fundamental to their well-being, and that's relationships. Um, so for me, it's about constantly having the courage to show up to not worry about what other people think, to set myself and my own thoughts and fears and limitations aside, 
to be fully present in the space and in the way that my clients need. And I think that is the key to any relationship anyway. So what's my growing edge? What is it that I do differently that is scary and and maybe non-traditional is I come from huge abundance when it comes to relationship and I strive every minute of every day to set aside judgment and absolutely practice what I preach, which is complete acceptance of who everyone is, where they are in that moment. Understanding that we all do the best that we can with what we know in that moment, which means we're bound to screw up. And I have definitely screwed up many times in my life and continue to do so. And if I didn't, I couldn't grow. So I just have a follow-up question and uh, yeah. around that. And I love that you said that, you know, every day I like I, I screw up and then, and so maybe this will sound familiar to you. The whole idea of having a expanded experience and then having that contraction. And so what yes. I'm curious about is how do you look after yourself in <laughs> contraction? Um, that has been, probably one of the hardest lessons because I am by nature hugely giving. My work requires intense output. So um, I think what I have learned and it was hard to do was to, I had to learn how to receive as well as give. I had to learn how to ask and I had to learn how to create community around me so that I could draw on other sources of energy to restore my depleted batteries um, when I didn't know how to do it for myself in those times that I couldn't do it for myself. And I learned that not only in the work that I do, but because I've also had really significant health challenges my entire adult life. So I physically actually had to learn to receive in times when I couldn't, I wasn't physically capable of doing things for myself. So that's kind of been the universe saying, hey, Ange, Here's how you like you absolutely need to learn self-care and acceptance of others support because otherwise you won't make it. Yeah. So it's Thank been you. about really leaning in to to that community, which takes vulnerability and trust. Um, and for a, a person who's grown up with trauma, that was also a lesson that I needed to learn. Um, but the answer is to be in community with amazing people like you and just trusting that um, I, I absolutely love the phrase that Powerhouse has of hands at your back. That's the complete answer to your question. We need mm -hmm. to put our hands around each other and absolutely know that there is someone there who's gonna catch us and support us. Yeah, and, and, and so for the like those who are listening to you, I encourage the listeners to think about, well, first of all, that you're gonna have an expansion and you're going to have a contraction, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, and so normalizing that we want to romanticize our expansion, but how do we, how do we hold, how do we ask for help and ask for those hands that are back? I need some hands on my back right now. That's, yes. um, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. For and it's, it's that. resisting the instinct to withdraw and detach at a time when we actually need the exact opposite. And boy, totally. I want to talk about things when after. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, let me figure it out first. <laughs> when I've recovered. <laughs> yeah, when I have figured out the answer. No. 
Okay, I think Shar's chomping. She's got something. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think where it takes me is like, what, what's the tangible here? Like, what's the tangible? What can we ground into? And I want to offer that um, I love I love what we're we're seeing about what if in contraction is is the time we most need community. What if in contraction we 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 went to the place of remembering we're interconnected? The piece for me that I want to pull through is uh, the piece around time. Like to bring your whole yeah. self to leadership, you have to feel safe. To to yes. to trust that there will be hands at your back, you need time in. It's not something that happens automatically. And so I know my growing edge is um, absolutely trusting the three other women on the screen that you see, Angela. And yes. not that it isn't hard and crunchy at times, because, you know, as independent women, it's like, I'm just going to run with this myself as fast and hard as I can, because I know I can. But we've put the time in to understand that the the best experience for all, for the greater good of all, comes as we work together as a braid. And I think that's what you're alluding to. So I, I just wanted to touch on, I can't show up as my whole self until I feel safe in, in the space. Because I'm a lot. I'm a lot. I'm fiery. I'm punchy. I'm quirky. And I don't even want you to tell me my blind spots. Like, like, like that's, <laughs> those are all my edges, right? So, yeah, it, it's yes. time in as well. Like, and I just wonder where that, you know, where that takes us. Um, what I want to pick up on from what Charlene said is the concept of safety. It is the primary thing that I have to establish with my clients in order to do the work that I do. And I don't have a lot of time to do that because if they don't have an immediate perception of safety, they're not going to engage in the process. They're already coming at a time of fear and pain because that's generally how we're motivated to look for solution is when the pain gets too much. And I'm, you know, a lot of what we talk about in relationship or when people think of family mediation, they immediately think of separation and divorce. That isn't the only realm. Of course, that's one of the most common aspects. But I work in any kind of relationship and, and in relationships where people are looking to make a change. So if they're looking to make a change, it means that they're motivated by a reason to change. And often that reason is is pain, that they're they're struggling with something. They do, They know innately that they want to do something different. Um, so when we're in pain, that means we're in, in fear. And so often we're in that fight or flight mode, that reptilian brain has been engaged. And so the rational brain takes a bit of a backseat. And so I have a limited amount of time to establish that, that immediate relationship of my own with clients. So I've learned how to do that pretty quickly. And what that takes, of course, is huge vulnerability on my part because I have to put myself out there and potentially face rejection. I'm not going to resonate with everybody. And much like you've shared, Char, I'm a big personality too. And I, I've spent my entire life as a first-generation Italian immigrant who felt like, a, like the shoe that never fit. Um, I had to figure out who am I? How can I show up in the world and, and be okay 
always feeling and being different. And I, you know, a lot of my thought processes and my values are significantly different from mainstream, culturally, intellectually, philosophically, ethically, you name it. And so I had to constantly find that courage. And again, I have to reground myself by having the external support, by turning to, to just the gems in my life, like the Tina's of the world, and just sit there and go, Tina, I need you to hold me. I need you to reconfirm that I'm okay doing what I'm doing and that it's not going to be accepted by everyone and that's okay, but not to hold back because there's value to enough people that what I have to say has value that it's important for me to get it out there, but I can't do it alone. And that's the biggest message of the work that I do is we cannot survive unless we're in relationship. Physiologically, biologically, we need relationship. We've all heard that the worst torture a person can experience is to live in isolation, right? So that's why we consider it the worst punishment when it comes to, to prison systems and things like that. It's the cause of depression and suicide for many, many people is that isolation. And my goodness, have we ever experienced it during this pandemic? So the key is that we, to survive, we need relationship. So how do we do relationship as effectively as we can when it's so necessary? And we tend to do it rather poorly, unfortunately, because we all have to varying degrees, poor experiences, whether it goes all the way to the extreme of trauma or just simply bad example, however you want to call it. We don't necessarily, again, because we're driven by learning from mistakes, we don't necessarily have all of us the opportunity to learn from positive experience. Many of us do, and it's not all bad. It's never one or the other, but both are present. And how do we, by nature, do we gravitate to learning from our mistakes or learning from the positive experiences? And they're both present. And I have to work with people to draw on both while I wrestle with my own frailties. <laughs> Sharon, I'm curious what might be coming up for you in this conversation. Well, actually, um, thanks for asking, Tina. I was just curious. Um, so um, in your work of mediation, like I, like I think of um, our friend um, who's a, a restorative justice um, um, professional, um, and restorative justice and 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 mediation; those are all um, more welcome in Indigenous communities as a more um, yes. um, inclusive and and inclusive way of 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 coming to solution. I'm I'm curious, uh, as you've mentioned, you 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 believe in hands at your back, and and that's and you've been around us for a long time now. Uh, what? Um, if any uh, indigenous ways of knowing and being, do you bring into your practice that um, would make an indigenous couple or an indigenous person want to come to you for um, that would look to you and say, "Hey, you know, she's she's someone I'm I'm interested in getting to know better." I am I am constantly learning from the indigenous values and 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 history and it, it just fascinates me because it, every time I learn something new it it confirms my value system and and how I show up in the world so there there's unbelievable parallels I think one of the most significant is um, the concept of community and the values that come from what we understand to be restorative justice 
is very much at the core of how I do my work as well innately. And it's because it's a constructive process. It isn't about, um, it's about accountability and responsibility, not blame and punishment. So we have to be free in this world to make mistakes because we do anyways, and it's where we learn. And to to punish is, is a, yeah, it's a community message, but it's a negative message. And it doesn't heal. It simply humiliates, it, it degrades a person. So instead, we turn that around and say, how do we repair? How do we restore? How do we reach out? Right. We can't change the past. We can't change the choices we've made. But we 100% have control over how we deal with the outcome of the choices we have made. And every minute of every day, we make a choice. And a choice leads to the next thing that happens in our life. And if we understand that, it means that we also know that we are able to make the next choice. And the next choice may be the one that actually gets you, you know, course corrects your path or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And it's about building back to another person. We have to build those bridges. And in order to do that, the only person that can do that is ourselves. And we need to take that step forward and hope then by doing so, by opening ourselves up, the other person will start to meet, come mm -hmm. towards us. Yeah. We can't change them, but we can change ourselves. And how do we change ourselves? We look to the collective wisdom because we don't have all, we do have some answers for ourselves, but those answers also come from informed wisdom from our ancestors. Right. So there's yeah. the other piece that comes from the indigenous community as well and indigenous philosophy that is just so powerful, so healing, so restorative. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. That was, um, yeah. Lovely to hear. Just awesome. From a storytelling lens, what I appreciate deeply about that, Angela, is, you know, in my path of story, 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 and we often think of stories like words on the page or the simplicity of a narrative or the simplicity of a message. But to me, story is like creation itself. It is, it is dense. It is multi-layered. It is past, present, future. It is all the particles that, that all the, all of the fairy dust and magic and all of the explosions of stars that happen in, in connection, which is what communication is. And I so um, appreciate in your own work, uh, um, the depth of the depth and the color that you bring to the word choices, the, the story we are writing forward is, is rich and depth and deep. And um, to me, resounds very truthfully in my own heart and work. So Thank you for that. Anything you want to offer around? Because you, you have a lot of work. You, you use the word story a lot in your own work, yes. too. Anything you yes. want to um, carry forward? Yes. Um, we are who we are because of the experiences we've had. So we are who we are because of our story. That doesn't mean that we are have to go victim to that story. If we don't like that story or where that story has brought us so far, that's where, again, the concept of choice comes in. Let's write a different story. So a lot of the work that I do is, is very much like yours, Tina, where we stay present with our story and create it as we go in a very proactive, um, intentional way. That's how we not go victim to that past. 
but we can't erase the past and nor should we want to because we are who we are because of that past. So it's really about bringing those two things together, not in a therapeutic way, but in a, in a conscious choice way. So then we remain in, in that forward focused mode where we, we keep our, our uh, power about us, our strength, our courage, and then can move forward in that knowledge and say, now what? Hey, I can do something different. It's with, entirely within my ability to change, change myself, change my outcome, change my story, change my ending. It's not written for me. It's written by me. Wow. It's not written for me. It's written by me. Ooh. Awesome. I just, thanks, Tina. I, so one of the things I wanted to pick up on that you were just talking about is, is around choices and shifting the narrative. And part of that requires actually what are the patterns of behaviors, right? And then how do I disrupt the patterns so that <laughs> it forces the rest of the system to shift? And I imagine that that's part of part of your work is actually illuminating what are the patterns what's the dance we're in and what's something different you can do and so overlaid on um, not only your work but on whole leadership what um what are the what's that pattern disruption that you're paying attention to in your own life and how do you how do you help your clients uh, do that work so that they can they can live into their whole selves? Yes. Oh well, that would be a multi-hour conversation to answer it completely because it's just it's so amazing. It is the core of the of the work that I do. Um, first of all, I want to come back to the concept of, of leadership and whole leadership, and we often, as a society, have a sense of of a, a concept of leadership that is leading from above. We look at leaders like, you know, political leaders, spiritual leaders, all that kind of leadership. I work from a place of leadership of self. And I often talk about, and I've done tons of leadership training for young people through my association with Rotary uh, for years and years. And we worked with the concept of the power of one, meaning not the power of being alone, but the power of what can one person do. So to come back to your question, that is where I start is first of all is acknowledgement of where the person is at what is working and not working and how and where they are how did they get to where they are and what do they want what is the outcome that they want to do differently so keeping in mind all the time that this is not therapy i'm not a i'm not a therapist it has a therapeutic element obviously because there's healing involved and this self-discovery and the past always informs the future but it's about taking where the person where they're at and looking at what are your future goals. So it's very much a future fo future focused process that is about designing where you where you want to go. So we need to identify where you at, where you want to go, and if what got you here, it was a certain set of beliefs, patterns, whatever. If you keep doing that, you're going to get the same result. So let's look at those patterns not from a place of have i done something wrong or judgment or regret or anything like that or guilt or shame none of that it's like i made certain choices decisions i came to this place i'm not satisfied with that 
So what do I need to do differently? Because if I do the same thing, I'm going to get the same result. So that's my starting point, which is awesome. that's, uh, very that's difficult <laughs> at times and often not as difficult as you would think. Because again, when a person comes to me, they're generally ready for this. They wouldn't ask for this process. They wouldn't ask for this kind of engagement if they didn't have the curiosity, back to Sharon, who set the intention for this conversation, if they didn't have the curiosity about what else is out there then they wouldn't be asking to talk to me. I appreciate you saying um, that it starts with the per individual. I mean, that's the, isn't that something we've heard over and over again with everything is it starts with the individual. I mean, I do, I do the same thing with my divas. Um, I, 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 you know, they, they, they realize their own magnificence. They realize what they're capable of doing. And, and that brings the, the self-esteem and, and the, the confidence to go out there and, and, and seek more, right? So I, I really appreciate you saying that, Angela. Thank you, Sharon. The other concept I work with is I discourage my clients from saying their story, not from the concept of apology, but the concept of, we do this so much, we're teased as, as a country that we always say, I'm sorry. Canadians always say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't want people to say I'm sorry because you're not a sorry person. You may wish that things had been done differently or that you showed up differently. Absolutely. But come from a place of acknowledging that and then saying, now what can I do differently? I've caused hurt. I've caused disruption. I've whatever. But don't like just saying I'm sorry is actually a little bit about you and it doesn't necessarily cause create or promote healing. So rather I come from working with on accountability, to take responsibility, acknowledge it without judgment, figure out what didn't work in that caused the disruption, the pain, you being where you're at, you losing a connection with someone that's important to you. And then what do you want to do differently? Then how do we create repair? I want to jump in on this and you might not be prepared for it but i'm going to go here anyway because i know your big work in the world really is to change the world one relationship at a time yes. and certainly in the lens and the you know the office you work in and the work that you do it's it's interpersonal usually between two three five people right and wh yes. whatever their formation of family and or couplehood or relationshiphood yes. may may be and what i um what i'm really curious about is, and here's my noticing is that those conversations become incredibly private conversations. And often, because I've had it happen to me now around you, I end up referring people to you after they've already started the legal system and uh, where, where there's a very private container wrapped around what's happening and they're already lost in it and they and they don't know how to come back and come back to a relational um pre out of court conversation so and so what i'm noticing is that it's almost like um these transitions that you work us work people through walk people through are great teachers they're great teaching moments for those of us who lead as change makers because what i notice you do is you you your sacredness is actually held in the inclusivity of the of the acceptance. And mm -hmm. therefore, we learn how to be in circle more than in a box. 
And in that relational way, I'm not even sure what I'm talking about. I, it's like there's something <laughs> between personal, per, personal, private, public, and you take what's private and say, no, no, this is personal. And in that acceptance, we, it's not that it has to be public, but it's like we all, we're, we all get to learn, man, it, this isn't dirty laundry, it's laundry. And we're all people. Yeah. I wonder what you, where that takes you in terms of changing relationships and the world, one relationship at a time from leadership and your work in, in mediation, which is usually, you know, families, but it is applicable. No? Yes, absolutely. So on the sort of public, private, personal aspect, the one of the challenges with our, our justice system is that albeit family cases are what we call sealed. In other words, the public can't go in and, and view the file of a, of a divorce, for example, whereas you can go to a criminal file and all of that is public record. So we, we have some respect for privacy, theoretically, but it isn't a private process. It's a very non-personal process because you have a perfect stranger who is the judge that has to, in a very short amount of time, based on information provided to them about you through another voice box, which is your lawyer, sometimes yourself if you're self-represented, but the system is set up that you have someone representing you, in other words, speaking for you, expressing your voice, either on paper and affidavits or orally in court, and then a judge hearing this, putting as much information as is provided to him or her together, and then making a decision for you. So what's completely lost is self-determination. You're, the outcome is driven by so many intermediate factors. It's not a direct line between you and your outcome. It's very indirect, very impersonal, and, and driven by so many forces over which you have no control. So a system, a process like the work that I do, turns that completely around. I'm a steward of a process. I'm a facilitator of a conversation. The outcome is not mine. The outcome is yours. 100% yours. What I do is keep holding the mirror up, shedding the light, asking the questions, staying in curiosity, holding space, compassion, love, all of those things. But I can only do so much. The work is done by the people. And that's different. That's how it stays, not just private, but intensely personal. And when no two experiences are the same, ever. Can you give a couple of ex examples of um, typical outcomes? Um, I'm just trying to think of what, you know, the work that you Absolutely. do and compared to going to court and, 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 and the sure. outcome. Sure. If we're looking in the realm of separation and, and divorce, um, an example would be um, a family that I'm working with decided that it was really important for them to start their process by establishing three shared values. Where would you ever have that conversation in a courtroom? So we actually spent a significant amount of time and it was a tussle and it was a battle because these people are separating to, to create shared values that would then be the foundation of the, the litmus test for the solutions that they then explored. And so they developed those shared values. They synthesized them to three core words and they're literally up on the wall beside us during every session. Wow. And we check in with, are we working with that? Are we working towards that in service of those shared stated goals? Because their deep commitment 
was no matter what was happening between them, they wanted to remain in community. They want to, not wanted. They want to remain in community. So everything we did had to be in service of that. Thank you. That's a so great that's example. one example. Yeah. yeah, that's a great example. And I can already imagine the outcome it will be much um, um, more, um, what's the word? Um, friendly, I guess it's not the word, but you know, yeah. it'll be a friendlier outcome for sure based yes. on that. And look, it's not a panacea. It's not that we're saying, oh, you can all be lovey-dovey and friends forever. It's just reach even, I don't want to say that that's a lower standard. It, if the objective is to, whatever the objective is, maybe it's simply to be able to coexist, co-parent, part civilly. It doesn't matter what their outcome is whatever's important to them is what we're working to create. And that's the shared value, regardless of whether you do it overtly or just innately within the process, that's the becomes the objective. And then everything becomes in service of that. For some people, it means that they can actually coexist and, and have, you know, a huge extended, blended, complex, messy, but joyful family where there's repartnering and kids of other families and you name it. it doesn't matter what it looks like for some people it's like i just need to bring this part of my life and this connection to you to a, a respectful decent close i may or may not cross paths with you again but i don't want it to haunt me i don't want these kinds of hurts to continue to take up rent-free space in my head i need to put it to rest that may be the outcome i'm gonna pass again, it's or not my outcome both to Christina and Charlene to maybe jump on where, where this conversation is going around global leadership. I just wanted to jump in for a moment and particularly like there's, there's been so many juicy bits in this, um, Angela, and it, it's been fantastic. And one of the things that I hope that our listeners were, will take away is um, that part of whole leadership is, is putting down the weapons, the blame, oh. the shame, the finger pointing, yes. assigning evil intent to others and, yes. and or to ourselves, right? Like weaponizing the judgment against ourselves, like putting down the weapons and asking what else is possible. And so that, that needs to happen in, in, in our personal lives, in families, in relationships, but also our relationship to the land and to the water and to the air and to in our governments. Like it's just like your message has this, you know, what you talked about today has such a rippling out effect and it's so important. So thank you. I have um, thoroughly enjoyed hearing from you. And you're right, we could have talked for hours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll turn it over to Shar. I just wanted thank to get you, that Christina. in. So thank you. Thank you for capturing that so beautifully. Really, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think my my takeaway is going to be around the word family, and whether that's our family in our home, whether we're co co, you know, where the, I really just want to emphasize how important it is for us to think about family differently. And, and we did a fire circle a couple of years ago about one family in our relationships, you know, as change makers and as community. So I'm not just talking about those we are blood related to or, or, or you know, adopted families. But what I took away from today is actually, um, I believe that when I think about 
forward focused for families to build them stronger in the future than we have in the past. Thanks to people like you, Angela. It is to start to think about the word family as a verb and not a, fa not a noun. To be in family, to set those values as a family before yes. you need a mediator. So whether you're under one house or you're like across 22 houses with multiple parents, like, because, you know, I, I think that, yeah, just if we can just really activate the feeling of family and bring it through our actions rather than keeping family a noun, we're going to be so much further ahead. And so I just really want to thank you yes. for that reminder to set values as a family. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't have said it better. That is, that is so, so valuable a concept. If we could really embrace that, that concept of family, we would live a completely different life. And I'll, I'll just add that um, family and community are synonymous. And so my takeaway is the, the, is community. And so, I, and I agree wholeheartedly with it, with everything that was said. Thank you so much, Angela. Thank you, Sharon. Hmm. I think my takeaway, I feel like, um, I feel like sometimes, Angela, your work in the world is the secret that we don't want to have a secret about, <laughs> right? Like, because, um, so I, I, I don't know that we can answer this or you can answer this, but like the great question that really lives inside me right now is why do we wait so long? Yeah. Why, why do we do that? Why do we wait so long? Okay. Why do we wait until we are in desperate need of repair? Why do we wait until there's, there's, there's division, you said so eloquently in the beginning, you know, we are human beings and we're wired the way we're wired and, you know, and then Christina's piece on expect contraction. Yeah. And it's almost like we don't expect it. And so when it happens, we, I don't know, like, are we pretending it's not going on? And then it just gets so messy. And then, then we're like, ah, I can't go there. It's, I can't do that. I've got, I've got to go get into this box called, I don't know. That's my question. Why do we wait so long? And I, I don't know where that takes you. You <laughs> must stay up at night thinking about it. We've got a few more minutes. I Let's do, do another quick I round. do. And it, I, I chuckle because a lot of how I've framed uh, the work that I do now, my new, my, my reinvention of myself in the last few years came out of a conversation um, that happened at a presentation I was doing on cohabitation and marriage agreements. And my husband was there and he turned to me, we've been together for over 30 years. And he said to me, if only we knew then what we know now. And I went, that's it. That's my message. I want to help people know now what they will learn 30 years from now, but could benefit from knowing now. That's the key. So I don't have the answer to why we wait. I just know that I don't want people to wait. <laughs> Let's do this work now. And somehow as a society, we, we have lost that focus on community on family on how we do relationship we don't seem to put the training wheels on that and teach and put a an intentional focus on how we do relationship 
if I could even just bring it to people's awareness that it is something that deserves focus because it is so critical to our well-being individually and as a society, then I've done my job. Then I will rest in peace. As always, we are so grateful for your deep listening with us. We want you to know that there is a community here that you may not know about yet. We gather virtually every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time for these live conversations, and we call it Gather for Her. This is the place where we begin to weave our individuality together to remove silos and place our hands at each other's backs for activated, intentional action towards a world we all want for 2030, where we prepare for a better world. When you're ready, we're here. Find us at powerhouse.com and get social with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If it feels right, you can support this inspired wisdom through Patreon at patreon.com powerhouse. Until next time, keep listening and know we're always here, ready to gather with you.